This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to take a step back and talk about the Books of Titans project. I've always loved hearing people's stories of how they got into reading, and so I thought I'd take this episode to provide some perspective on where I'm coming from and how this project got started. I'm going to follow a similar format to recent podcast episodes where there are three segments. So the first segment for this episode is going to consist of the introduction of the Books of Titans project, why I started it, my rules for reading, and the surprises that I've, that I've encountered so far. The second segment will be information about myself and what got me interested in reading uh, way in the beginning. And then third segment, I'm going to stay true to form and I'm going to cover the one thing. But this one thing is going to be my one key takeaway from this entire reading project. And I'm going to go so far as to narrow it down to one word. So you can be thinking about what what you think might be the one one word, but uh, that will be covered in segment three. So let's get on to segment one about the project. Kevin Kelly, who's the author of The Inevitable, which happened to be the first book that that was read for this, this project, he said, life is short and there are too many books to read. Someone or something has to choose or whisper in our ear to help us decide, end quote. I love that because that perfectly encapsulates what got this project going. I've always been someone who has been interested in seeing what other people are reading. And I guess the more famous or the, mo- the more advanced in their career, uh, the more of an expert they are, the more that list intrigues me. Because I kind of I wonder, did their, some of their favorite books, did that lead to their expertise? Did that lead to who they have become? And so I would seek these lists out, and whether it was Bill Gates' t- 10 favorite books or the, the five books that Warren Buffett recommends that you read, I, w- I would just gobble these up and I would collect different book ideas, and, and that would be where I would get a lot of, of ideas for what to read. I would also collect you know, from, from friends and what they were reading and, and their suggestions, but, uh, but these, these lists were, were a big source of, of material. And in fact, after high school, I came across a list in the Atlanta newspaper that showed, it was a two-page spread, and it showed what every high school student was required to read for their, for their summer reading. And it broke it down by, by age or by uh, year in school. So uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and then by high school in, in the greater Atlanta area. And I'll get more into this in, in segment two, but I, I didn't read a whole lot in high school and, and I don't know why, uh, but I remember seeing this list and seeing a whole bunch of books that I had never read. And it just sparked a desire in me to to read some of these books. And so I actually, I, I cut those two pages out of the, the paper, uh, still have them. I, I, I scanned them recently so I could, could take a look at them again. And I would just start making check, check marks next to the books as I read them. And and these were the classics. I mean, these were a lot of the, I guess, what could be considered the, the main canon uh, of books that should be read. The books that kind of lead into one another where 
you read this book and that helps you understand this book and and in that that sort of thing it also had a few more modern books on there as well but it, it was it was really like you know these are the these are the the top books these are the ones that you should should be reading and so i've always been a sucker for these lists and and fast forward to, to 2016 december i pick up tools of titans by tim ferris and as i'm reading that book i'm starting to notice that he asks every person what their favorite book is and what their most gifted book in book is and in in tools of titans is basically a collection of tim's podcast episodes it's it's kind of like he takes the ta- transcript and pulls out the best nuggets and a lot of the nuggets were what what are your favorite or most gifted book and so as i'm reading this book i'm underlining every single one of these books and i'm a huge data nerd and i love spreadsheets i mean i I love spreadsheets. And so as I'm reading this book, I've got my iPad open, I've got a spreadsheet open, and I'm writing the title of the book, the author, who suggested it, what page, and I just made this list as I'm reading through Tools of Titans. Unbeknownst to me, Tim Ferriss has a a full list in the back of the book, but that was actually a a bigger list. It was kind of like every single book that was ever suggested by, by guests, whereas the one the one I, I created by underlining as I'm reading was, was a smaller list. And so at the end of the book, there were 120 plus books that had been suggested uh, within the body of, of the Tools of Titans books book, uh, not, not in that uh, part at the end. I looked at that list of 120 plus books, and it looked like an excellent list of books. And I looked at it and I'm like, I, I want to read all of these. How, how, can I, how can I read all of these? And I want to read them fast because these are some of the world's top performers suggesting these books. I bet they're really good and I bet they're going to help me in my, in my life and in my career. And so I decided to set a challenge for myself to beginning in the following year, which was 2017, to, to read a book a week, to read 52 books a year. And so I looked at that list and I chose 52 out of the 120 plus books. And I, I, I set that list and said, I'm going to read this in 2017. And so that's how the project got started. From there, I, my, my job, what I do is uh, I work for myself, but I'm, I'm a website developer. And so I work with universities and I work with, with small companies on their online presence. And so I love doing websites. I love putting together information within a website. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to do this project. I'm going to read 52 books per year. Let me create a website around it. One, I'll be able to visually present what I'm reading. And I'll also be able to connect to others who are reading. Reading is such an, an individual experience. You're, you're sitting with the book. I wanted to share that with others. I wanted to see what others thought. I wanted to to see what they got out of the book. And so I decided to to broaden it, I guess, in, in the sense of, of creating a website around the project. Another thing happened, and that was that my sister-in-law asked me a question. She was looking at my bookshelf and she said, How do you remember the books you're reading? You know, what how do you how do you remember the main lessons? And I didn't have a good answer for her. And I, I, I actually was, I looked at my bookshelf and I was looking at some of the books and I'd, I'd read some of these books in the last few years. And I, 
I couldn't remember one thing from the book. And that got me thinking, how, how can I, if I'm going to be reading 52 books, I want to remember what I'm reading. I want to remember the key lessons. So how can I do that? And I decided that I would review each book after I, I read it. I would, I would kind of put together my thoughts about the book. Not, not necessarily a, a review in the traditional sense, but, uh, but more of, of here are my thoughts about what I just read. Here's how it connects to other things I've read. Here's how it connects with what I've experienced in my life. And so now I've got this list of 52 books to read. I've kind of turned it into a project by creating a website around it and then also signing up for, for Instagram and, and Twitter. I'm reviewing each book. Well, I'm I'm ready to go, and so I started sharing the website with with some of my friends, and almost all my friends just said, "Oh, that's cool. Um, looks like some good books there. Good luck. Uh, you you know, that's good luck." But I shared it with my brother-in-law Jason, and he took a look and he said, "That's cool. I'll do it with you." And I think we should do a podcast about each of the books. And that, that was scary. That, that was a little too much for me because I'm the type of person, I'll go to like an event or a party and I'll come home and I'll just lay in bed and think about everything that I had just said to people. Did it, did it come across right? Did I say that right? Did they take it the wrong way? And, and I, I mean, I would just sit there and, and analyze everything that I had said. So the thought of speaking recording it and then releasing it was terrifying. And so I knew I needed to do it to, to get over that fear. And so uh, a lot of our first episodes, uh, Jason and I discuss, discuss the books from that, from the 2017 reading list. And then uh, we've, we've carried on the podcast uh, as well in, 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 in continuing to do, do 52 books per year and then to discuss them and review them on the, on the website. So that's all helped to remember what I'm reading. And so that's, that's really the basics of, of what got started, what, what got me started with this project where the, the inspiration came, I guess, and, uh, and then how it led to the different parts of the project. I want to now talk about some of the rules that I have for, for my reading project. And the first is that it is 52 books per year. I, I want to keep that challenge and I don't shy away from big books. I read Don Quixote this year, and I read the the full unabridged version. Last year, I did War and Peace. Uh, the first year, 2017, I did Once an Eagle, and a, a few other uh, rather large books. And so, 52 books per year is it's enough of a challenge, but it's not it's not crazy insane. It, it's it's doable, especially when I take those 52 books, add all the pages, and then divide them by 365. Uh, days. It, it tells me I need to be around 50 pages a day. But depending on the book, that's an hour or two a day. So can I commit to that? Uh, so far, I've, I've tried, you know, the first year I made it through 51 of the 52 books. The second year I made it through 48. So the goal is 52 each year. And, and I know what I need to read each day to, uh, to make that happen. Another rule I have is only physical books. And in 2017 and in 2018, I, I did a few audiobooks. I read a few of the books on my iPad, and that was more because it was a huge book, and I, it was easier to, to always have it with me to where I could 
read it on my phone or or, or on the iPad. And then also, uh, uh, our our second daughter was born in 2017, and I, I would kind of hold her to sleep, and it needed to be dark, and so reading by the iPad was was uh, was good while she was while she was sleeping. Another rule is no TV, and this is to to provide some margin in my life. I that that rule is a little flexible in the sense of I will watch the occasional show with my wife, but in general I just I don't have the TV on. I, I that opens up a lot of time for me. The average American watches four and a half hours of TV a day. I don't watch any, and that opens up a lot of time. I don't read the news. I used to. I was a news junkie. I would spend six hundred plus dollars a year to get the New York Times. I don't do that anymore. You will hear the important news from others. It will be texted to you. You will somehow hear about it. So for now, I am not reading the news. I've also limited my phone use most of the time unsuccessfully, but uh, I have set limits now on my phone for just 30 minutes of social media per day and then uh, periods of time where the phone will cut off from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So I've, I've attempted to limit my use of the phone in order to, to again, open up some time. So these, again, are, are, are rules that I have for this project. Another one is to always carry a book with me. And this is where I get a lot of reading done, actually. Like uh, if, if we're out on errands and one of the kids falls asleep in the car, my wife will go in the store and I will be waiting in the car. And that's, you know, 30 minutes where I can get through a lot of reading. And if I don't have a book with me, then I'm just looking at social media. I, uh, in terms of setting the list, uh, I have rules for that. And the list has to be set in advance. So I spend the entire prior year prepping a list of books for the upcoming year. So the, I'm recording this May 1st, 2019. So I spent the entire 2018 gathering book ideas. And again, it's from lists. It's from the Tim Ferriss Show podcast. It's from other podcasts. It's from asking my friends what they're reading. It's from going into bookstores and seeing books that, that just spark my interest. And throughout the year, I have a notebook that's kind of my everything notebook. And one page is dedicated to, to just book ideas. And books will be bumped up on that list if I see it from, see the book in multiple places or if more than one person suggests the book. So it's kind of the more exposure I get to a certain book, the higher it gets bumped up on my list to where by the end of the year, kind of the last week of the year, I have narrowed it down to 52 books that I'm going to read that following year. I then do something, and, and this is key, I randomize the order of the books. Because if I'm going to choose the order of the books, I'm going to stack all the ones that I am super excited about. I'm going to stack those in January. And then that can kind of kill motivation later on in the year. So this year, 2019, I've got some books that I'm most excited about reading. And based on that randomization, randomization, they are not on my list until towards the end of my list this, this year. So I have to wait and I have to look at it on my bookshelf and just know that, uh, hey, it's a randomized order and it's going to stay that way. And I'm going to read them in the order that, that it, it was put forward. 
Another rule for, for reading is that I'm, I share my list. And that, that ties in with the website and social media. But I also share every morning my status. And, and I do like a weekly status of, of where I'm at, how many pages I've averaged per, per day, uh, how many books I've made it through, pages, that kind of thing. So I, I do a weekly check-in on social media. But then I also, every morning I take a photo of the book I'm reading along with my cup of coffee and, and I share that. I got the idea, obviously, from Jocko Willink, who takes a photo of his watch every morning at 4.30 when he wakes up to, to get after it, to, to start working out. And also uh, from, from Austin Kleon in, in his book, Show Your Work, where he, he encourages you to, to do something daily on, on, on showing your project or, or what you're working on. And it helps keep me accountable. And, you know, I, I can sense in my head, like, people must be really sick of, of seeing the same book for, the same, for, for two weeks in a row. Uh, so it, it makes me like, if, if it's a huge book, it, it kind of sparks me to to get going faster. So, so people aren't seeing the same book all the time. Another part of the project I wanted to highlight in this first segment here is, is surprises, things that have really stuck out to me that I, that I wasn't expecting. And uh, just a few things here. The first is clarity. I guess going into this project, I assumed that if I'm doubling the amount of books I'd ever read per year in my life, and I'm hitting 52 books per year, it's going to be information overload. Like it, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be, it's going to be more harm than helpful because it's just going to be so much reading that I'll forget what I've read. Uh, it, it'd just be, it'd just be too much in my brain, but the opposite has happened. And this was totally unexpected. It's actually provided more clarity of thought. And I think part of it has to do with I'm reading books from different genres. So I'm reading fiction, I'm reading nonfiction, I'm reading biographies, I'm reading business books, uh, just a wide variety of books. And yet you start to see common themes throughout these books. And so that really helps me identify things that are important. If people are writing about it from different areas, different types of books, and you see these common themes pop up, you, you know it's an important topic. You know it's an important thought. So it's actually kind of honed my thinking. It, it's, it's brought out the things that are important as opposed to overloading me with information. And the second thing is that I, I don't feel like I'm reading a lot. It's 52 books per year, but I it's become part of my lifestyle. Like I read, I, I, I enjoy books more than movies. I enjoy books more than TV. So I don't feel like I'm giving up anything. I don't feel like I'm giving up TV. Like I, I would actually rather read a book. So it's the changes I've made have become part of my lifestyle uh, in order to make time for this reading. But I don't, I don't think I've, I'm just, all the time in my nose, uh, my nose in a book. And so that, that's been something that surprised me too, because I thought, you know, to do, to do a lot of books per year, uh, it's just constant reading, but it's really not. It's just making margin in your life to, to try to get through a certain number of pages per day. And if you do that, you're, you're going to get through that number of books per year. So 
The project, here are some of the totals so far. So again, I started January 1st, 2017, and today is May 1st. I've read 114 books in that time. I've read 37,000 pages, and I've done 70 different podcast episodes, and a lot of those with Jason, where we, we've discussed the, the books. I've made connections with people around the world who are reading the same books. I've gotten book ideas from people around the world. And then what's also cool is I've made connections right here where I live in the Nashville area. And that's been cool. I've, I've connected with other readers, uh, other people who have, who have come across the project and have reached out to me and we've, we've gotten together for coffee and, and to discuss, to discuss books. So that's been a really cool, uh, kind of byproduct of, of this project so far. Now on to segment two and how did I become a reader? This is a question I love asking of others. I mean, I will, I, I will just eat up that type of conversation. I love finding out the books that really sparked an interest in reading in others. I love asking, uh, I call it a hinge book, it, the, the book that the rest of your library hinges upon. And I'll, I'll be highlighting that uh, in, in just a, f- a few minutes here. But I love asking, you know, what, when you, when you look at your bookshelf, what is the one book on there that if you had not read that one book, you would not have any of the other books on your bookshelf? What is that book? And that's the book. That's what I call the hinge book. Your the rest of your library hinges on that. And so, since I love asking that of others, I thought I'd just share a little bit about my my reading journey. And my early earliest memories of of reading are by Fish Tank Light. And uh, I, I I guess my parents thought I was sleeping, or I thought they thought. Now that I'm a parent, I know that that they know everything going on. And so anyway. When I was supposed to be sleeping, I, I had a fish tank in my room and I would, the lights would be off and then I would walk over to the fish tank, turn the fish tank light on and then just sit by the edge of the bed and, and read. And if memory serves me correctly, I, I would try to get through some of the Narnia books by, by C.S. Lewis, uh, the, 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 the series of books. And I probably didn't get too far because I, I was so young, but that's what I remember reading by uh, by fish tank light, and we had also in, in elementary school. I remember we would we would have to bring a, a a book into class to read, maybe like twenty minutes a day, uh, instead of nap time or something. And I, I remember bringing silver the silver chair in for for that time. And I don't think I ever made it through the book, but that's what I would I would try to read when I was in first first or second grade. So. Earliest memories are, are of that. Uh, my mom would also read a lot of Bible stories to us, uh, my sister and I, uh, every, every night. And so whether it was me trying to, to read or, or being read to, uh, there's early life, a, a lot of that. And then I got to school, and I don't recall reading a lot during school. And, and even up through high school, I, I remember some books that we had to read, like uh, Great Expectations. And my, my main memory is just not enjoying reading at all when it was forced upon me. But I did have one teacher in high school who, who was my junior year English teacher, and he brought books to life. And so that, that was, I guess, one bright spot in a, a rather long period of, of not enjoying reading at all. 
And then something happened at the end of high school. And one, well, one, during high school, I became a Christian and I started reading the Bible. And then I started reading a lot of Christian nonfiction books. So they might be like theology books or books by Billy Graham, kind of think books about the Christian life. And so that, I guess, got me started reading, whereas school itself was not integral in, in getting me excited about reading. And then at the end of, I, end of high school, the church I was going to brought in the speaker named John Eldridge. And he spoke, but used music and art and video, mo- like movie clips in his talk. And I just remember that striking me because... Part of, part of what I was growing up with in the church was, you know, some of these things are bad. Like the, the movies are bad. They can be bad. Books could be bad. They could have bad things in them. But here's a guy showing, look, this movie, and, and these were movies that had, had moved me. And he's showing clips that were, were ones that I, that I loved. And he said, you know, the, the reason this moves you is this is an echo of, the Bible. This is a, the, uh, an echo of, of the story of Jesus. It, it, Jesus is the hero. And, and this story plays out through literature, movie, and music. And so it was, it was sort of like the, the hero's journey, journey idea, but it was saying that Jesus was the hero and all stories related to that main story. This is what John Eldridge was saying. And that was extremely enticing to me. Because it, it, it made me want to explore literature and see the story of the Bible in the world's best novels and in the world's best artwork and in, in movies and stories and plays and musicals. And, and so I, I started reading some of the classics. And so John Eldridge also wrote a book called The Sacred Romance. And so a lot of what he had said in that talk was, was in The Sacred Romance. And that's the book that I consider my hinge book because after reading The Sacred Romance, I just had a strong desire to start getting into the classics. And so after that, I read, after reading The Sacred Romance, I read Crime and Punishment, I read Moby Dick, I read The Brothers Karamazov, and I just started getting into these classics and, and eating them up. I mean, I just, I just loved them. And I, I also got uh, into to C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis is somebody that's quoted often in, in that book, Sacred Romance by, by John Eldridge. And so I, I just, I got into to these authors and then, so this is now like the beginning of college. So I'm, I'm a business major, but I am spending like all my extra time just reading, reading these books and, and having a blast. So between my sophomore and junior year of, of uh, undergrad, I studied at Oxford University in, in England. And the way the classes are set up there is you're, you're in a class with an Oxford Don, who's the professor, and there are three other students. So it's three students per one Oxford Don. You have one class, one hour of class per week, and I only had two classes. So I, I only had two hours of class per week, but don't let that fool you because in between one week, class in the next week's class, you are assigned seven different books to read on the same topic, but they're all from different points of view. And so 
you approach one thing from seven different points of view. And by the second or third book, you kind of, you kind of know what you side with because you're seeing all the different sides of the argument. And it was just a brilliant way to learn and a fun way to learn. And then when you go to the class, you, you read a paper. So one student reads per week. And then you have to go into that class and know more than what's in the paper. Because after you read your paper, then the Oxford Don and the two other students ask you questions about what you wrote. So if you just go in there with, with and turn in what you, everything you know in the paper, you're in trouble because you have to then talk about and answer questions that, uh, that they bring up that you perhaps didn't cover in your, in your paper. So that, along with being in some of the world's best libraries and bookstores and just this culture of, of education at Oxford, that, that set me on a course of, of falling deeper and deeper in love uh, with reading. So from there, I, I just you know kind of continued reading through the years until I got to this Books of Titans project where kind of sped things up and, and, um, and challenged myself to read, read more books. The desire to read also comes from some some different th- things uh, I, I want to accomplish or things that I want to, I guess, cover up in a way. And, and one of those things, I, I'll highlight three here, is an uh, in, in, inadequacy that I feel in terms of my education. I have undergraduate and graduate degrees. I, I studied international business for, for both degrees, and yet... I, I, I feel really dumb. I like, I can't communicate what I want to a a lot of times, or there's concepts I should know after having gone to grad school that I just, I don't know. And so part of my desire to read is to compensate for that. I guess to, to learn the things that perhaps I should have learned in college and, and didn't learn, or the things that I just I was probably taught and it just never clicked for me. And so, yeah, just kind of one, one thing, just an overcompensation to, of this inadequacy that I feel. A second thing is if I'm in a uh, debate or a conversation, my brain just will stop after the first volley. I, th- I think part of that is, is I, um, I hate conflict, and so I, th- I think if I sense any conflict, my brain will just kind of stop as a some sort of a coping mechanism. But it's not good, and I, I don't want it to do that. And I, I want to be able to defend my positions, and I, w- I want to be able to know what I think, know what I believe, and to be able to communicate that. And a lot of the times, I, I can't do that for 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 deep topics. And so part of why I read is... To help, to help my thinking, and to help my brain just not stop. A third thing is I'm I'm looking towards the future, and I I know I need to be a lifelong learner. I when I went to college, I I had this stupid notion that I would be able to go to college, learn everything, and then that would cover me for the rest of my life. And after grad school school, I started working for myself and, and I still work for myself. And I remember going to a conference early on uh, in, in my freelance uh, or having my own company. 
and this conference, there's probably a thousand people there and they're all web developers. And it, it was in Atlanta and they, one of the first speakers, he gets up there and he asks, how many of you guys work, uh, guys and girls work for a company? And in this room of thousand, a thousand people, there were just a handful of people who raised their hands who worked for a company. So like they were the, they would have been the web developers for Coca-Cola or, or some company in Atlanta and just a handful he said, how many of you guys work for yourselves or freelancers or have your, your own companies? And 99% of the hands in that room went up. And I, that just struck me because it, it, it was like, if, if the people that had the job, I mean, like a lot of the companies in Atlanta at that time had their own web developers. So why were they not at this conference? Well, they had the job. Like they, they didn't have to prove themselves. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, if, if my salary is $0, I don't, I don't, I don't go into an office and, and automatically get $40,000 or something. Like my salary is $0. If I don't get new clients, I, my, I get $0. And so I'm competing with the guy next to me, like at this conference even. And if I don't know more than him, I'm not going to get hired. And so there's this, there's, there's this desire to always be learning and to always kind of be preparing for the future. And, and even right now, and website development, I know five years from now, website development's not, probably not going to be around in the sense of uh, something I could make a living on. So what do I need to be doing right now to prepare myself? And, and so some of the books I choose are help, help me kind of think through, through those things. So just a, a, a little bit of personal information about me. I, I'm 39. I'm married. I have two daughters. Uh, live in the Nashville area. I love to run, and I think exercise really helps out a lot with with reading. Uh, gives you, it, it, if nothing else, it just gives you time to think about about what you're reading, as well. And then I'm also a, a musician. Uh, my my wife is a singer songwriter, and and I I play the violin. I I, I join her a lot of the times, uh, but I've played violin since I was three, and have picked up other instruments along the way, but that's always been a big part of my, of my life. And one reason I mention that is that the music that is part of this podcast is a song that I put together with a producer in Atlanta. And, uh, it, it features my sister on the harp. So if you hear the harp in there, that's my sister. And then that's me on the violin. And one reason we use that song for this podcast is it, we, we had pitched it to different artists in Atlanta and it, it never got taken. So it wasn't being used so, so we could use it. But then secondly, there's part of the song where I just kind of go nuts on the violin. I, I just, it's just freelance and, uh, or, or free expression, I guess. And I, I loved it. I, I, I love how that, that came out. Cause I just, I kind of let all inhibitions out, out the window and just let loose and and it was fun so that's the uh that's the the music that we use in between segments and then at the beginning and the end of the of the podcast so thought you might get a kick out of that uh and and so that ends segment two here with with information of of my my reading journey now into segment three and the one thing so this is where i usually cover the one key takeaway from the book or the one the one thing I always want to remember 
from the book. And this really ties back to my sister-in-law asking me the question, you know, how do you, how do you remember what you, what you read? And if I can just pull one thing from the book and either implement that in my life or have that be a question that I, I am constantly pondering, that will help me remember the book. And it actually helps you remember, helps me remember a lot of different parts of the book. So that's why I do the one thing. And, but for this episode, uh, since it's really about the, the project itself, I want to take it to a question that was posed to me on Instagram. And it was this. I was asked for one word to describe the project so far. And I, I had to think about that for a few days. I, I've, I've read 114 books by this point, And to narrow every, everything down, all the lessons, all the great books, to narrow all that down into one word... So some of the things I was thinking about, maybe meaning, uh, like Man's Search for Meaning was has been my favorite book so far. So, and that's a concept I see in in some of the other books. So what uh, meaning, or, or maybe time? Time is a concept that has has popped up in a lot of the books. The importance of time, the the fleetingness of time, or or maybe it's habits like daily habits. But I didn't, I didn't choose any of those. The, the one tr- word I chose and responded with a few days later was truth. Let me go into that a little, little deeper here. Uh, one of my good friends in early 2000s, he bought me, which is one of the best gifts I've ever received. And it, it was a book seal or uh, a stamp type, type thing. So uh, in, at the beginning of each book, I can... It, it, it creates an imprint on the page and it says, it's, it's in Latin, it says, quare verum, and I, I'm sure I butchered that, but it means seeking truth. And I've put that in every book that I own since 2002. And that really captures what I'm going for as I'm reading. And it goes back to what I said with with John Eldridge in, in the book, The Sacred Romance, and in, in, in seeing the story of the Bible echo across literature, seeing Jesus as the hero in these stories, in the main story, and, and just seeking truth, seeking truth in the different things that I'm reading. If, if something is truth, if something is true, it should be something that is glimpsed everywhere. It should be in novels. It should be in books, in the best movies, in the best plays. It should be in the best music. And so this idea of seeking truth, it, it's, it's in a way, it's, it's kind of taking my faith into the world. It's, it's testing ideas out. It's, it's testing out it's testing faith out and it, but it's also running it through this filter of faith. So that, that's one aspect of it. And another aspect of, of truth and and why I chose that word is is something that I highlight in a lot of different episodes. And it's this idea of different ways of presenting truth. Uh, The author has a, a, a variety of different ways that they can, can share truth. They can just state it straight up or they can they can tell it within a 
story, and and oftentimes that that hits deeper. Um, fiction novels, they're not are are those true? Maybe not in the sense of like this actually happened, but oftentimes novels can be more true than a story or or a nonfiction book. Because it, it, it digs in deeper. It reveals more about the characters. And I always think back to Tim O'Brien's book. Uh, and he describes story versus happening truth. And, and that, uh, uh, seeing that across so many different, different books. And so that, that's why I chose that word, truth. And that's what I, I'm doing with this project. I, I am, I'm seeking truth. I'm, I'm seeking to help out what I, what I think and, and to test that, but to seek the, the best and to seek the truth in, in everything I read. I'd love to hear what you think, how you got started reading, uh, book projects that you do, your favorite books. So please uh, connect with me on social media and, and tell me how you got into reading and some, what are some of your favorite books. I'd love to read some of those books in, in upcoming years. Until then, I'll be back next week with another book. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.